Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. Man, I can't tell you how nice it is to say welcome back for another episode this season. And now we're ru- we're rubbing off the rust. Last week, had Harley here with me. Again, Harley with me. No guests this week. Harley, it's just you and I going solo. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I think that's always our strongest suit is going solo. Uh, I, I think if my wife had a choice she'd probably make me go solo too but uh, <laughs> uh nevertheless uh at least uh, we've got the two of us to lean our lean our sides against and hopefully uh, between the two of us we can come up with some great fancy insights and some good takes and hot takes for the uh listening audience to parlay into quality draft picks let's put it this way i know that we will give takes what they do with it i don't know but <laughs> last week we gave a little bit of a um insight as to hey check back and this is what we're going to do so I want to mention something before we get started, though. Last week at the end, you know, I end, I end every episode with Get Blitz Responsibly, cheers. And in that, Harley stuck in a little woo. And that was because we had talked about addressing Ric Flair being in the hospital in a medical-induced coma with, um, with A-E, A-Y. Oh, my God. E-Y, my mind. <laughs> um, I've got E-Y's and Eli's and all of these and the OBJ's. It's, my head's just a mess. But anyway, we had talked about... and Omis and yes. all my whatever, yeah. Exactly. Um, but anyway, we had talked about possibly, you know, broaching that and talking about that and getting EY to tell us a little story, and it didn't happen. And Harley, last minute, realized that, threw that in as a little homage to Rick, hoping that he makes it, you know, out of this and that all's well. So we ask all our listeners to say a little extra prayer for the, for the man while he's trying to recuperate from um, what he's dealing with. Definitely. And I think uh, also, uh, I mean, this is being recorded on August 21st. Uh, the other big news this weekend, of course, is uh, longtime uh, comedian Jerry Lewis uh, passing away. Uh, so hopefully uh, with uh, the news today, I can, I can give you some, uh, some jokes to make you maybe feel a little positive sight because uh, unfortunately we, will, we won't be blessed with the humor and the personality that was Jerry Lewis uh, for as long and as lengthy as his life was. I don't want to sound callous, but screw Jerry Lewis right now. I wonder if we're going to be able to get EY back on. The man is part of the tag team champions now, right? Uh, this is news to me. I did not see uh, next takeover Brooklyn or SummerSlam this weekend, but uh, it's certainly possible. Uh, his team uh, definitely has the ability and I think they definitely have the talent load to go out there and beat the very, very best in the uh, WWE, no matter what show they end up being on. Yeah, I, well, I saw an Instagram photo that he had sent out there, and it was <clears throat> him and his partner holding up the belt. So I'm going to go and say, without doing any research, I didn't see the match. EY is now a champion, not just of the Flex League, but in the WWE too. Of the next league. There you go. That's whatever. Uh, you could tell I'm old school. But I'll tell you what, before we get into our top 12 at wide receiver and tight end and then talk a little sleeper stuff, can't do this if we don't send it over to Harley 
for this week's BPN News. Thank you, Steve. Trevor Simeon has officially beaten out Paxton Lynch and has been named the Denver Broncos starting quarterback. In related news, Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas have both filed their retirement papers today with the NFL League office. <laughs> Speaking of retirements, veteran tough guy wide receiver Anquan Bolden asked for his release from the Buffalo Bills after a brief two-week stay in their camp. Bolden, perhaps best known for playing through a broken face, said that he could not handle the pain associated with watching Tyrod Taylor throw the football. In further quarterback news, rookie Mitchell Trubisky once again outperformed Mike Glennon in the Bears' second preseason game. Despite Trubisky's strong performances, coach John Fox remains firmly in the camp of playing Glennon week one. Glennon, of course, is best known for his time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Over four seasons in Tampa, Glennon threw for twice as many touchdowns as interceptions, and he posted a very solid career passer rating of 84.6. Nevertheless, Tampa thought so little of him that they drafted Jameis Winston and immediately anointed Winston the starter, benching Glennon. It appears to this reporter that Glennon may find himself in a similar position once again this season. I would feel sorry for him, but then I remember he has 45 million reasons not to complain. <laughs> the Windy City also features another positional battle with fantasy implications, as the Bears decided to bring in 2016 second-round pick Roberto Aguayo to compete with Connor Barth to be their place kicker. Aguayo, who was cut by the Buccaneers following one thoroughly disgusting season during which he missed 25% of his field goal attempts, he promptly missed his very first field goal attempt with his new team. Of course, Aguayo's struggles raised the obvious question. Which GM is more incompetent? The one that wasted a second-round pick on a field goal kicker? Or the one who saw his body of work and still decided to give him another chance? <laughs> and finally, the ever-injured Jordan Reed has officially been removed from the pup list thus leaving Ladarius Green as our new Todd Heap Award winner as the tight end poster child for time spent on injured reserve. This has been your BPN News Update. All right, all right. Should I give you one, your first of the year, your first cutting room floor piece? You know, the things were just so great this year, I didn't even come up with a cutting room piece for tonight. Okay, we'll hold that. Maybe we'll hold that for the regular season. Exactly. I got I to gotta be honest with you. That Glennon piece was about as long as the season is going to be for Bears fans. Well, unfortunately, it also may be longer than Glennon's starting career with the Bears, too. That's very possible. Hey, listen, I want to uh, say thank you and give you praise for something you said in that little um, bit, though. You called it, and people pay attention. You called it passer rating. Thank you. It is not quarterback rating. It is passer rating. You don't have to be a quarterback to have passer rating mm -hmm. and vice versa. 
So thank you. I, I'm always a big fan of the uh, weird plays where the quarterback throws a pass and completes it to himself, too. But yeah. that's another story. It is. But, yeah, I mean, I hear professional announcers and reporters call it quarterback rating. I made that mistake once. I learned from it. I don't do it again. It's not that hard. So people, spread the news. It's passer rating. So with that, we're not talking passers. But we're going to talk to people that the passers throw the ball to. You want to go tight end or wide receiver to start? Well, you know what? I think that uh, for the most part, I tend to ignore tight ends until later in the draft. So I do too. I, I would like to ignore tight ends until later in the podcast. We're, we're in the same spot here. I'm with you 100%. So let's talk wide receivers. And we'll start at number two because I'm sure we both have the same guy at number one. Well, I, I'm guessing that your number one is the same guy as mine. Uh, it's Antonio Brown for Pittsburgh. I don't think we really have to go oh, into too much detail on him. It, Antonio Brown? Yeah. You didn't have Keenan Allen number one? <laughs> I don't have Keenan Allen number one either. No, you're right. I've got Antonio Brown. There, <laughs> there are some, some small concerns, but you know what? Right now, he's just he's it. And Martavis Bryant, Martavis Bryant coming back actually doesn't hurt him. It helps him. I, I think it really does. I mean, last year they really didn't have a designated quality number two wide receiver option to draw uh, defenses away from Brown. And Brown was getting double and triple teamed. And even when that was happening, he was still performing very well. Now, obviously, with him, you, you've got the worries about uh, Big Ben's performances away from Heinz Field and, and the chance that Ben could be hurt this year. And uh, certainly he might be a little worn down after all the beatings he's taken over the years. But uh, again, if those two are on the field, and particularly if it's at home, you know it's going to be a huge statistical day. Yeah, I mean, and it's, just look at it. What's his floor? His floor makes him the safest number one wide receiver off the, off the heap, too. So Definitely. Number two, I'm betting we're going to have a little bit of a difference, though. I know we will. Okay, then maybe we won't. And, and in full disclosure, there are times where we do episodes where Harley and I will talk about the content and where we're going with it. Tonight, we are flying blind. I did not want to know who he had in his top 12 or who his sleepers were and vice versa. He knows nothing about my list. So I'm going to tell you that I struggled with this one, and I won't fault anybody for flipping these next two to three guys. Um, but I've got Julio Jones at number two. You know, I actually seriously considered putting Julio Jones at number two, and he ended up sliding all the way to number four on my list. Uh, uh, my biggest concern with Julio, obviously, is the foot, and yep. can he stay healthy for a full season? And, and just in general, it seems like Julio has four or five ridiculous games each year. Yeah. And then he'll have four or five games where – he'll post three catches for 20 yards. Yeah, and I'm also concerned that, you know, Shanahan's gone. But we always talk about regression, 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 regression with touchdowns. Julio, to me, feels like Andre Johnson, where he never had that mega TD year, and I think this could be it. I think they find a way to utilize his size in the red zone finally and that's, why, that's what pushed him up to two. And like I said, it wasn't easy. I had him at three. I had him at two. I had him at four. I had him at three. And, and I wound up landing back at two with him because I don't really think he can make a mistake in the next couple of picks. And it, a big thing he has going for him, assuming he does stay healthy, is he gets at least eight games indoors. Uh, he's also going to have four games against divisional rivals that are going to be in good weather conditions, uh, as well as facing the New Orleans and uh, Tampa secondaries twice each, and 
again, both of those teams have, have myriad question marks in their defensive backfield. So uh, as far as we're looking at wide receiver, Julio Jones may be the safest player at number two there. Yeah. Now that said, my number two player is also in that division, and that's Michael Evans. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, I've got Evans at four. I have no problem with him at two. Um, I think a lot of people are probably putting a little bit too much weight into the tight end situation down there, taking away targets from him. He can afford to lose a few targets. I, I think that that Tampa offense is going to be pretty um, prolific this year, honestly. So I see a big year for Mike Evans. Uh, I think he could possibly, actually, if you want to want me to tell you who the safest wide receiver is in the top 10, it probably is him. Health and if, is, you're in a, if you're in a dynasty format, I think that he's pushing – uh, the guy who I bet we both feel is our number three then yeah. uh, for the number one wide receiver pick among dynasty players. Yep. And, and I'm with you. Like, you know, Evans has the size. He, he's fast enough. He's got good hands. He's going to get the monster target share. He's got a young quarterback that's progressing also. There's really no downside to what you see with him. So I don't know why I've got him at four. He easily could have been two for me. And you're right. I, I would also like to add, this is something you don't really think about from a fantasy standpoint, but uh, in case something were to happen to Jameis Winston, I believe Tampa signed Ryan Fitzpatrick to be their backup quarterback. Yes. And he at least is the type of guy who you feel like could comfortably go out there and throw the ball 40, 50 yards down the field to Evans and, and not look like a complete idiot, aside from the fact he does throw a lot of pick sixes. Uh, Fitzpatrick is a proven veteran who, if there was a drop-off from Winston, it wouldn't be drastic. No, not for Evans it wouldn't be. Maybe for some other players, but not for Evans. I, I agree with you. Um, so you've got Mr. Junior, Odell Beckham Jr. at number um, four? Three. I've got Beckham at three. Three, Julio I'm sorry. Yeah, and that's right. And I've got, and I've got Beckham at, at three also. And now here's where it's going to get interesting, I think. Yeah, it is, actually. And I, I'm sure that I'm going to make people fall out of their chairs or – and hopefully not run off the road if they're listening in their cars. Um, I'll let you go first for five. Who do you got at five? At five, I've got A.J. Green for Cincinnati. Uh, consistently a huge target hog there. Uh, they added a couple of rookie receivers the last two years. Neither of them is very good. Uh, the guy they got this year, John Ross, is, is purely a speed guy. Uh, he doesn't have very good hands. Minnesota fans will certainly remember a guy by the name of Troy Williamson uh -huh. that we took with the seventh overall pick several years ago. Uh, alligator arms all around. I think that's pretty much what you're getting with John Ross, too. Not scared about Tyler Boyd. Uh, Tyler Eifert can't stay on the field uh, due to injuries. Uh, the game revolves in and out around A.J. Green. And, and much like the case with Jameis Winston, if something were to happen to Andy Dalton, you've got a very capable backup in A.J. McCarron. You know, A.J. Green is the guy that was the hardest for me to rank. Because, yes, he's got a solid offense around him. Nothing's really changed. If anything's going to have a better running game, more than likely, when you add Mixon into the mix. But I just, maybe it's me being old school. I'm still leery about what we're going to get from him early in the season with that knee injury he's coming off of. And that's why I have him, I'll be honest with you, I struggled to keep him in my top ten, but I couldn't find a way not to keep him in my top ten. So I have him at number eight. So we're not too far different. But I guarantee you my number five is going to be different. Who do you got five? Evamari Cooper at number five. Well, you know what? We, uh, we swap spots between second and fourth with Evans and Jones. We swap spots on five and eight with Green and Cooper, who I actually 
I originally had listed at seven, and then I moved down one spot only because there was someone that I realized I forgot in my top seven. That happens. People may not realize it, but that's easy to happen. Um, I just think that Cooper's, he's had a few good years now. His quarterback's going in the right direction. What I like about him and what pushes him up to five, and honestly, I've been in some drafts where I've had the number one overall pick and number two overall pick, and I've missed out on him at the turn each time by a pick or two. And it drives me crazy because you can't trade for it. And in a league where I could trade draft picks, I easily would have been moving up from that turn spot to nab him because that's how much I like him. Um, But I like the fact that I don't think that their running game is going to be all that great. I think it's going to be serviceable. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they're going to have to throw. And he's bulked up a little bit, hopefully to help him get off the line a little better. And I just think that we're going to see a bigger TD year out of him also. And I think he really separates from Crabtree this year. Then again, all Crabtree does is catch touchdowns. So. Well, I think that's the big thing with Cooper, too, is, I mean, the biggest knock on him the last couple of years has been the lack of touchdowns. So we really, I think we've seen the floor for Amari Cooper so far. Exactly. And his floor is pretty darn good. Yes. So, again, anything above that this year, uh, he's definitely a top 10 guy. Again, I think you can argue the whole 5 to 7, 5 to 8 range for him and <clears throat> not come off feeling too bad either way. Yep. So, I mean, I'm sure the people will probably are like, no way I can take him that high. That's fine. You don't have to. Um, but that's where he is for me. At six, I bet we're I bet we got the same guy. Who you got? I got Jordy Nelson at six. We have the same guy at six. He is actually the guy I forgot to rank in my top seven when I was going through my list. AJ Green was who I forgot. I forgot somebody too, <laughs> and AJ Green was it. And it's probably because I was mentally not wanting him in my top ten. But yeah, I've got Jordy. I mean, what is there not? And Jordy gives you a lot of upside with where you're getting him compared to all these other guys, because he's got the best quarterback on the planet. I'm sorry, it's not Tom Brady. Right now it's Aaron Rodgers. Throwing him the ball, he's more than a one-trick pony. And they've got pieces in, in Green Bay that they're, gonna, they're not going to be able to run the ball that much, I don't think. I know they want to try. I'm not sold on what they have at running back. So, yeah, Jordy's a year removed from that knee injury. He's going to be aces this year. I, I mean, you cannot argue with what he did on – a half a year recovered from a knee injury. And I mean, he's consistently put up huge touchdown numbers. He's been best quarterback in the league by far. Jordy Nelson is number six on both of our lists. I could easily make an argument for him being uh, outperforming any of the top four we listed too. Yep. And I probably should have had him. Honestly, I probably should have had him above Cooper, but I really wanted to say I have Cooper in my top five, but it's you're hanging with Mr. Cooper. I'm hanging with Mr. Cooper. It's splitting hairs. It really is. Um, who do you have at seven? Well, at seven, I, I make the first reach, I think, of the uh, draft, and that's going to be taking Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints. Really? Guess what? Yes. You didn't take that reach alone. I have Michael Thomas at number seven also. And I swear we did not plan this, folks. No, not at all. And that's this is one of the good things about us not talking in advance because we may have wanted to change up the rankings or the way we did this. No, I had no idea that you were going to put Thomas that high. Um, I think what's there to like about Thomas is look at what he did last year in his rookie year. Now, granted, he had Brandon Cooks there to help take away some of the pressure. This year, he's got... Um, Willie Sneed and Ted Ginn Ted Jr. Ted Ginn Jr. And he's got Drew Brees throwing him the ball. Drew Brees, like over the last, I think, seven or eight years, is averaging over 5,000 yards per year. Average. Average. Okay? Go to Pro Football Reference. Look how many people have thrown for over 5,000 yards in a year and realize that Drew Brees is averaging that for almost the last seven, eight years. So I think he has the upside. That Saints defense still doesn't scare me, and he could easily be a top-five guy, quite honestly. 
another guy from a dynasty standpoint, I've gotten my top three or four. If you're picking for a dynasty draft or for an empire draft, definitely consider using a very high pick on Michael Thomas because uh, he's going to show this year that last year was not a fluke. Very few first-year receivers produce anything. Last year, he produced wide receiver one numbers as a rookie. This year, he's going to solidify his position as a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Yep. So my one concern with him from dynasty and long term is how much more does Drew Brees have and what do they have behind him? Um, But sometimes you just have to take the talent and hope that they put somebody in there that can get him the ball. Now, at eight, we already said I have A.J. Green and you have Cooper at eight. Cooper. So now nine is – excuse me. Nine is probably where I have a reach compared to not just you but everybody else. Well, you know what? I have a reach at nine too, so maybe we're on the same wavelength again. This is going to be beautiful if we are. I'm letting you go first. Terrell Pryor. Nope, we do not. Ah. Terrell Pryor did not make my top 12. He probably should have, in retrospect, looking at who I have at 12. Um, they love him in Washington. They, they really do, and I think he's going to be a huge target hog. You're, you're replacing nearly 175 targets between uh, Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon there. Uh, it's going to be a, a huge opportunity for Pryor. He's going to get the ball. Uh, both in the passing and the running game, just like he did in Cleveland. But he's going to be the the main featured uh, offensive war piece. Uh, their running game still has some question marks with uh, Rob Kelly and Samaj Perine. And uh, realistically, the only other receiver that they have that they can truly count on is slot man Jamison Crowder, who is a bit of a PPR hog himself. But yes. uh, I think Doxson's unproven. Uh, they're going to be throwing a lot. Kirk Cousins, I believe, was one of the top five quarterbacks in terms of passes attempted last year. I don't see any reason for that to change. You know, I like Pryor a lot. I like Crowder, I think, a little more because of his value, and maybe that's why I didn't push him as high as I did. Maybe there's some recency bias from his former days as a quarterback, which should not be there because he's an athlete, and he truly is evolving as a wide receiver. So, yeah, I'm not going to say that. Look, I'm, I penned an article recently about don't be a slave to ADP. That means reach a round or two if you have to to get your guy. And if it means that you want Pryor and you think that highly of him, then pull the trigger. You know, and, and with Pryor, maybe you might get that uh, double reverse uh, touchdown uh, flea flicker pass to Dachshund. There you go, or to himself. Um, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> it would be. Um, my number nine is a guy that basically hasn't played in two years. I've got Keenan Allen at number nine. And, yeah, I've reached for him in, I believe, as early as the third round. I don't think I pulled the trigger for him in the second Um I just, I really, I, I like him a lot, and I like that offense a lot. The running game's strong. The receiving game, as long as they can stay healthy, strong. I think Rivers is set up to be a great late-round option at quarterback for people. Um, and maybe it's too much risk, but you know what? Here's the thing. You don't have to take Keenan as the ninth wide receiver off the board. You can reach for him much later than that and still get him at a value, in my mind. So, I've got him at nine. I know it's a, it's a thin limb that I'm on by myself, but he's a freakish talent. His injuries, I don't think, are something that you can just say he's going to get injured again with what he's had happen, and that's where I am. Well, people need to throw recency bias aside and realize that when Ellen was playing regularly as, as short ago as a year and a half ago or so, he was averaging nearly 14 targets a game. And now certainly they've added a few more wide receiver pieces there, 
uh, Tyrell Williams, who I like a lot as the second receiver there. Uh, they're going to get Mike Williams, their first-round draft pick from this year. He's going to be back by, sounds like, late October. And uh, they also still have Dontrell Inman, who proved to be a satisfactory PPR play uh, when players got injured down the stretch. But, again, if Ellen and if is the big if with, with Keenan Allen, if he stays on the field, uh, you can pretty much count on him getting targeted at least nine to ten times a game. And that's really what you're looking for, uh, particularly in a PPR environment. Yep, absolutely. I just, I'm just, you know, those guys that you can't quit. I can't quit. <laughs> you so, complete me, Keenan Allen. Yes, exactly. Hey, I'm just looking at our time frame here too. You know what I'm going to do? I'll make a ruling real quick before we finish up our top ten. You know how you said you like to wait on tight end? Yes. I like to wait on tight end too. We're going to wait on tight end until next week. Okay. Because I think we can probably combine tight end and quarterback because we don't have to get it as in-depth in those guys, and maybe sneak wide re- sneak in running back next week. So that sounds like that's what the plan should be. What do you think? Well, you know, I do think we need to get everything in, though, before people have their drafts. So I- I'm fine with going a little bit long today if, if you don't have a problem with it. Uh, we'll see where we're at. We're at 25 minutes. We've got to try and keep it at around 30. That's what our overlords want. Um, okay, who do you have at 10? At 10, I'm going with uh, New Hopkins for Houston. Uh, I really like the fact that uh, Tom Savage can air the ball out if he starts the season. And if uh, Deshaun Watson ends up starting the season or takes over at some point, he's also got the arm to get the ball to Hopkins. Uh, Good running game there, solid offensive line. I think they're going to be leading most of the season because their defense is so dominant. Uh, I I think it's a very safe play to get Hopkins uh, late second round and and it'd be about wide receiver 10, wide receiver 11. Yeah, he's one of those guys that's been available to me at the turn when I miss out on Amari and I'm upset, and I've grabbed him and not had any problem with it whatsoever. So I'm going to show you. They can't see, of course, because we're doing, you know, this is radio. But do you see who's at number 10 and got crossed out? Uh, it's a little too low for me to see. Okay, trust me. It was Nuke. <laughs> so I, I did. I had him there, and I crossed him out, and I bumped him down. Um, I'm going with a guy who is just criminally underrated, it seems like, year after year after year. And I think that his quarterback's healthy. And I'm not sure what their running game's going to give them. So I think that they're going to pass the ball a little bit more. But Doug Baldwin. And he's another one that's slightly considered a reach. But he's there. At, actually, he's moving up. He's getting a little bit more difficult to get at that turn for the second. I've seen him go a little bit earlier <laughs> in the second. Um, but I think that we're going to see a much better year out of Russell this, this season. I think he's healthy. He was not healthy last year, and you could tell when he started to get healthy. So Doug might seem like a stretch in the top ten because maybe he doesn't have as high a ceiling. Um, but that's why he's not up in the top five and he's in the top ten. Well, you mentioned Baldwin. He is actually right on the cusp of making my list. I rank, I have him ranked at number 14 this year. Uh, I do definitely find some value in moving him up a little bit, though. Uh, if for no other reason than because uh, he got a lot of passes thrown his way last year when Seattle's offensive line was rotten. Uh, he's going to have a little bit more time. Russell Wilson's got a little bit more time. Plus, he's a little bit healthier. Uh, he should be able to have a little bit better running game this year with all the options they have at RB. So I think that's just going to mean more opportunities for him to find Baldwin open. And Baldwin open is a mismatch. Yep. Okay. What do you got at 11? At 11, I'm going for Tom Brady's new uh, best friend, and that's Brandon Cooks. We should quit. We should quit right now because guess what? You've got Cooksy too. I have Cooksy at number 11, but I don't like it. 
I don't like it. I'm a little scared. I mean, lots of mouths to feed there. Uh, but you know what? The last time Brady had a legit downfield threat, number one wide receiver, yep. the guy by the name of Randy Moss. And uh, Brady and Moss made a pretty good pairing there. Here's, here's, what's, here's what has me pushing him into my top 12. Belichick is easily, if not the smartest coach, best coach of all time. One of. They don't trade for a guy like Brandon Cooks and not plan to use him and have a really defined role. And Brady very well could throw for 50-plus this year. And just on that alone, and knowing Bill, that's why he's number 11 for me. I don't think he's a great value. I don't, because we don't know what his floor is. But his floor, probably worst case, is what Chris Hogan was. So if and he, Chris Hogan was a borderline wide receiver, too, in a lot of formats. Exactly. So that's why I'm, I'm like, I look at all that stuff and throw it in the pot, stir it up a little bit. Take it out, throw it, and oh, there he is. He's number 11. Well, you know what? So at the number 12 spot, I'm going to pick a player that I think a lot of people are going to hate at this spot, but he's been Mr. Consistent, again, when he's been healthy and when he's had a healthy quarterback. Well, he has a healthy quarterback uh-huh. now because his quarterback is much, much younger and has a much, much better back than his previous quarterback, and that is Des Bryant. He's number 13 for me. He just missed. And he's a guy that I would not be happy if I had to take, honestly. Um my number 12 is a little anticlimactic because he's already in your top 12. Um, I've got Mr. Hopkins at number 12. And I also gave consideration to Dez. I also gave consideration to Demarius Thomas. And here's why I actually, and I probably will flip Dez and, and DT, quite honestly. I worry about Dak the second year, seeing what defenses figure out for him. I worry if they have issues on that offensive line. I worry that, I'm sorry, if Zeke's not back there, the running game's not the same. And what happens? And Dez has you know, fought some injury bugs, et cetera, himself also. With Demarius Thomas, you already know what he's going to do with crap at quarterback. Well, I think there's one player we both left off our list, and it's probably for the same reason. Uh, he would have actually been my number 12 pick if his quarterback was healthy at this point, and that's T.Y. Hilton. Yep. Uh, again, a healthy Andrew Luck makes T.Y. Hilton probably wide receiver 10 uh, on my list, but again, with all those question marks, we all know if we'll see Luck uh, at any point this season. Uh, we're particularly cloudy as to his chances to start the season, so he didn't make my top 12, but if Luck gets that clean bill of health before your draft day, if you know that Luck's going to be available for at least the majority of the season, slide Hilton up. He's definitely a top 10 receiver. Yeah, he's somebody I think that, and that's exactly why he is not in my top 12, um, and I'm going a different direction if he's all that's left to me, quite honestly, because you we're taken for granted if you think that Andrew Luck's just a given to come in and start playing week two or three. I'm concerned. I'm not concerned about his long-term health, but I'm concerned about this year. And if you can't get 13 to 14 games out of him, then that's a, that's a huge um, check mark against T.Y. Well, here might be the time for the uh, soapbox. Uh, how is Scott Tolzien start going to start oh, over God. Colin Kaepernick but <laughs> yeah oh god that's we can do a whole show and a half or five thousand well on that so now I, I one of the other things you tasked me with before today's show is talking a little bit about some of my sleeper wide receivers yes guys who may be starting to move up the uh, list a little bit so I, I'm going to list a couple names here and what I think and then at the end if you just want to give me some commentary on the guys I feel will be good sleepers for the rest of the league to look at sure 
Uh, first off, at the top of my list is, is a very popular choice right now as a sleeper, and that's Devontae Parker in Miami. Uh, he actually came into the season with a lot of sleeper hype, and then Ryan Tannehill got hurt, and everyone kind of slowed on him a little bit. However, uh, in the game and a half or what a game that Jay Cutler has been there, Cutler's come on record and said that Parker reminds him a lot of Elshon Jeffrey. And in Chicago, Cutler did everything possible to force-feed Jeffrey yeah. over and over and over again. We're going to see that same thing with Parker. Yeah, I, I like that call. Um, I do. And, well, I wasn't as keen, but actually once they signed Cutler, I was, I was on board. And hearing him say all that stuff, I agree with you. Who else you got? Uh, my second one is another one that people either love or hate, and that's Calvin Benjamin in Carolina. He looks really committed to bettering himself, both health-wise and game-wise this year. He's looked very good this preseason so far. And I think that uh, with the extra elements of having some different running back options that can catch the ball there, uh, getting a solid uh, number two receiver in Devin Funches with a full year under his belt, Curtis Samuel, the rookie, looks pretty darn good so far. Uh, it's only going to open up the field more for Benjamin. Uh, he's my number two sleeper. Uh, Ted Ginn, who we talked a little bit about in New Orleans, uh, he may actually win the outside starting job opposite Michael Thomas uh, with them putting Willie Sneed in the center. Uh, that role has definitely got the capability of having some targets. You're basically replacing Brandon Cook's role at that point. Yep. Ginn produced a lot of touchdowns last year. I think he can do it again this year. Better quarterback with the long ball. Look, you were talking about that Carolina and Kel- Kel- Kelvin Benjamin. If there's one team I can't get a good feel for right now, it's Carolina. I don't know what to do with Cam. I don't know what to do with Kelvin. I don't know what they're going to do. With, just they're, McCaffrey's a great piece. The other rookie's a great piece. Olsen's a great piece. I just don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what their personality's going to be. Well, it looks like we're actually going to see a little bit of Cam this coming weekend, so we might get a touch see what's going to happen. I don't know how much they're going to play him, but even just a little see, see how he, fe- how he feels back there, if he feels comfortable, or if he's got a little bit of yip still, who knows. Uh, some of the other guys I'm looking at at wide receiver – Uh, A couple guys who go late, late in your draft, Rashard Matthews, kind of a forgotten man in Tennessee with the drafting of Corey Davis. Matthews has always been a PPR hog dating back to his days in Miami. Uh, He developed a great rapport last year with Marcus Mariota. I think he is actually the best wide receiver, not Eric Decker, not Corey Davis, in terms of fantasy production this year in Tennessee. And and also uh, a rookie in the area of Buffalo, Zay Jones. Uh, someone has to catch passes there. They've traded away the rest of their offense. Uh, Anquan Bolden just retired. Uh, Jordan Matthews has uh, injury to his chest, which is never a good thing. Uh, Jones has got the skills to be a legit receiver. And despite the commentary I made in the news segment, Tyrod Taylor is actually a pretty decent quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, but he's a decent quarterback. And he's going to make someone fantasy relevant there. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm not as much on the Zay Jones train but i'm not opposed to it where you have to take him to get him um i will say this tennessee worries me how are they going to feed all of those mouths seriously there's just and we'll talk about this this is a little bit of a prelude um we'll talk about this a little more when we get to the tight ends um next week i'm just there's there's a lot of talent in tight in tennessee and that's my biggest worry is is everybody going to cannibalize themselves and then you're going to have Okay value, but nobody's going to be truly that difference maker for you. Well, we just talked about a couple of younger players. I'd also like to talk about a couple of veterans who I think are getting way, way undervalued this year and who are going to be great sleepers. You can pick up, draft them as your wide receiver three or wide receiver four, and play them every week as a wide receiver two. And that is Pierre Garçon and Jeremy Macklin. 
Those are two of my favorite picks. If you're in a league with me, you're not going to get them because I already have them. Uh, Pierre uh, Garçon, uh, the Shanahan factor right there in San Francisco. That was his greatest season uh, with Shanahan as coach. I think that, again, there's targets to be had there. I like Marquise Goodwin a little bit, but I like Garçon that much better. Jeremy Macklin is a deep threat receiver who finally has a deep threat quarterback to throw him the ball. That offense is going to be much improved from the passing game as long as Joe Flacco is healthy and ready to go day one. That's my biggest concern. One, I'm with you 100,000%. I love Garcon this year, especially what he costs in drafts. I absolutely do. Um, I like I like Macklin. I don't love Macklin for the reason of Joe's dealing with a back injury. I don't care what anybody says. Back injuries are concerning. So that's, true. that's the part that scares me with that. I'll tell you, I've got two minor deeper sleepers, um, and they're basically free in drafts. And I think they're guys that could give you wide receiver three value or better, if not all season, at some point. Kenny Britt in Cleveland. Granted, the quarterback situation is worrisome, but he's free. Would you be shocked if he wound up with 800 to 1,000 yards? He produced good yardage with Jared Goff throwing him the ball last year. And realistically, I think Deshaun Kaiser is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. There you go. So bingo. And free, right? You get 800 to 1,000 yards for free. Um, The next guy's Tyler Lockett. I know he's, you know, coming off his injuries and stuff like that. I just, I think that he's somebody that we could see once the season gets rolling. He's going to be one of those big waiver wire acquisitions, I believe. But I know who you're going to. You know, it's crazy that you mentioned Tyler Lockett because there was one sleeper I didn't put on my list that I I almost did. And a personal favorite, Paul Richardson, who uh, actually single-handedly got me into a championship game last year with a solid semifinals game uh, for me as a wide receiver three. I actually think that he is the second wide receiver to own in Seattle, taking nothing away from Lockett, who I do like a lot as well. But uh, you can get Lockett again at the end of the draft. You can get Richardson 12 rounds past the end of your draft. Yeah. Um, actually, I thought you were going to say um, Kaysen Williams because he's shown a little bit in the preseason for the Seahawks. But I don't I, think, I do like him too, actually. I, I just don't – I think that people – that's the flash. I don't I don't know that he's going to give you anything consistent. I, I really like Lockett where he could wind up being, like I said, that wide receiver three. When I see Paul Richardson, though, what I think of is I think of Ted Ginn a couple years ago. Gotcha. Uh, if you're, if you're, if you're going to be that guy who plays the last receiver for your DFS lineup each week – and you need to throw that guy in there that's going to be always every single week $3,000 to make all those high, high-priced running backs fit in there, throw Paul Richardson as your third receiver in. Let's not get too much ahead of ourselves now, but that's the thought is what matters. And you know what? We'll have DFS talk sooner than later, that's for sure. Um, but for this week, we're going to wrap it on up. We did our wide receiver bit. We're almost at 40 minutes, believe it or not. Wow. Hopefully people enjoyed that. Um, hopefully they don't think we're nuts with guys like Cooper in our top five and Keenan in our top ten. and and Terrell Pryor. Terrell Pryor in the top tw- top ten, right? You had him at nine, I think, didn't you? I have him at nine, yep. So, you know, and then saying, you know, we've got sleepers like Kenny Britt when he's going to have a guy throwing the ball to him that was um, – that you had to get a draft pick so we would take him away from you so you didn't have to pay him. Um, you know, that's tough. But, hey, it is what it is. So, anything in parting? No, I, I really appreciate the show. I think we're going to have uh, a lot to talk about with tight ends and running backs next week. But, uh, again, quarterbacks, as we all know, uh, you can pretty much slop off until the end. And I think we're all kind of on the same page on those guys. But uh, there's definitely some good nuggets to be mined if you tune in next week 
for our tight ends and running backs. Absolutely. And in the meantime, feel free to follow Harley at Nuclear Harley. And of course, you can follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. And make sure that if you're not yet, get to it, but subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, you can also listen to us on SunCloud on the main page of the huddle for free. Um, and until next week, get blitz responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>